6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad start with an update on an issue that we've been following for the past couple of months. You'll remember last March, City Council asked for recommendations on how to improve shelters and, and enforce new standards in, um, in, in, in homeless shelters. The request came after more and more reports of social disorder and real concern about community safety and, of course, the safety of those who use the shelters. Well, the suggestions are in. City Council is one step closer to improving uh, approving the standards standards at emergency homeless shelters in Edmonton. Susan McGee is the CEO of Homeward Trust. She joins us now. Susan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with, you know, the main goal of what is, you know, the minimum emergency shelter standards. What is the main goal of 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 this document? Well, there's clearly a need to um, ensure that folks have are being served with dignity and they have a good night's sleep and that we've removed the barriers that may present themselves uh, to some folks in terms of accessing shelters in the first place and you know that's a lot to say but it's, uh, it's <laughs> but it but it's really critical yeah without a doubt and and one of the big things that has been highlighted and you know in my you know past number of years in in this role my my 20 years in Edmonton when we've you know done work at um, at, at homeless shelters I've talked to folks there um, one of the things we hear a lot about is the sleeping arrangements you know from where they are right now to this minimum standard looking for the improvement how would that change under this guideline well the standards seek to create more private spaces um, more um, options and just um, you know we've learned through the pandemic the value of greater privacy and distancing in getting a good night's sleep so that's one of the things that it seeks to do is really establish um, you know, the, the standard and the, envir- the environment that folks sleep in and sometimes that environment being disruptive to getting a good night's sleep. Could this lead to shelters that are open all day? Maybe, you know, shelters that aren't as big, uh, maybe smaller shelters? Well, a recommendation certainly is for 24-7 shelters. Um, That doesn't mean that everybody that's accessing the shelter during the day is just there to sleep. Um, The recommendations are also to enhance some of the work that's ongoing and and has started around connecting folks directly to housing teams and and having assessments done. So it does mean, though, that we don't have folks having to um, line up really late at night just Mm -hmm. to have to leave really early in the morning. Yeah, Susan McGee is the CEO of Homeward Trust joining us this afternoon. One of the other things that we've heard a lot, and I think it goes back in part to the sleeping arrangements, but also shelters that um, that, that 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 have spaces for couples. It, it, that that's a bit that's an issue, isn't it? It certainly is, and it is sometimes the reason folks will choose to not. Yeah, not go in a shelter in the first place, and I, and I, I think understandably, um, it's uh, something that has to be done thoughtfully and ensure privacy, et cetera. But we know that when we've um, interviewed folks uh, who have reported that their barriers, that is certainly a big one. Susan, the the the, um, the report also suggests that service providers also need to consider indigenous historical trauma. What would that look like? Do you think? Well, there's. Um, 
a really important role that Indigenous community will need to play in ensuring that, you know, that, that transition and the inclusion of, of those standards is done well. And so I think a first step will be to include Indigenous organizations in establishing that. But what it does also acknowledge is that folks who have experienced trauma, who have historically um, an, an experience, too, of how shelters have treated community members, and I'm not pointing fingers at a particular operator or anything like that, mm. but the, the fact is Indigenous community members um, are often experiencing racism and other, and other um, circumstances that would prevent them from accessing services. So what that looks like in terms of the operator and the operating model is going to really need to be Indigenous informed. But what we do know is that it is something that uh, has been shared by community members that they do not feel comfortable in shelters because of some of the things that they've experienced in their past and um, experienced through residential schools. Now, if the, you know, and it sounds like this is going to be put in place, it's, it's moving towards that. Any idea how it would be enforced? Well, the city has looked at a number of ways, like from, from different levers that it would have um, to actually have more of a, a hammer, if you will. But I think what has been presented is something that can be embraced readily by operators with some support. And so hopefully the enforcement language becomes a last resort conversation. Um, I also know that, you know, many of these organizations have relationships with Homework Trust, have relationships with other teams, and um, they they, we're, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is certainly amongst the sector a very clear expectation that this is how we change and this is the direction we take going forward. And maybe that's not going to necessarily then mean enforcement, but I think that clearly there's support for this. And, and I think those operators are listening. Susan, just uh, switching gears a little bit, I know before the pandemic, the numbers were coming down. Uh, there was, you know, some great success in getting people into transitional housing. Um, and, you know, through the pandemic, I, I think that uh, we have seen some of those, the, 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 the number of unhoused going back up in, in the city of Edmonton. What does it look like right now? The numbers have increased significantly. Yeah. Um, you know, we were we were down to 1,700 on our by name list, which is the the best um, uh, reflection of the the circumstances we're in now. Is it is over 2,700? So there's mm -hmm. been a real increase, and I would add that there's been um, changes too in the folks that we're serving, and we're seeing more folks with complex needs that have very little options um, in terms of the existing housing that we offer, and so they're needing a, a other supports in addition to the work that we've been doing in the past. With uh, the numbers on uh, the COVID cases going up again, um, I, I, I suspect that is on your radar uh, once again. And are there any plans in place, any thoughts in place about what might happen if those numbers, um, you know, go really high again and maybe having to, you know, put in, um, you know, the, like what, ha what we did at the, uh, at the center downtown last year? Where's your head at with that? Well, the response in terms of demand and needs, if there is a need to um, have more space, um, yeah. we're trying to prepare scenarios for that. We have, throughout the pandemic, worked very closely, Homer Trust, the City of Edmonton, Alberta Health Services, and, and uh, uh, provincial staff to coordinate responses and to be able to respond quickly. Fingers crossed that the additional bridge housing that we've opened mm -hmm. as a result of kind of some of the pandemic funding that was made available in order to kind of add to our available spaces will be 
continuing to support much of that through the winter and hopefully um, that will be sufficient but we are constantly in a conversation we, yeah. we, we meet very regularly around being ready for those those circumstances that you know it could could honestly happen because that's what we're all checking on every day. Uh, Susan McGee joining me this afternoon, the CEO of Homeward Trust. We'll leave it there. Uh, Susan, thanks for joining me on this Friday afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care. Uh, so, you know, looking towards making this minimum emergency shelter standards, like putting in place a document, some of these rules saying, okay, this is what is going to happen. You know, some of these things like better sleeping conditions, maybe a little bit more than a, a mat, 18 inches, you know, mat on the floor, 18 inches from somebody else's head, maybe, you know, different food options, a, a place to store some belongings. Um, including spaces for couples and separation between beds and communal eating areas. Those are all some of the things that are in this standards that uh, City Council is looking at. And uh, we know, uh, and, and it's believed, we don't know yet, but we believe and, 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 and the people behind it believe that this is going to make a big difference for those who are accessing the shelters and certainly will help the shelters themselves with knowing what to do as we continue to move through this situation in our city.